Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll discuss some of the cases that have allowed for the great expansion of government since uh, the Second World War. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We'll visit with Andy as well. It is September the 28th, and on this day in 1941, the last day of the Major League Baseball's regular season, the Boston Red Sox, Ted Williams, got six hits and eight at-bats during a doubleheader in Philadelphia, boosting his average to 406. He became the first player since 1930 to hit 400. I guess I'll be satisfied with that thrill out there today, he told the Boston Globe about hitting 400. I never wanted anything harder in my life, said Ted Williams. Now, by the way, it looks like the uh, batting title is going to go at about 317 instead of 406. You know, so he's batting way better than any hitters are today. In addition to his 406 average, no major league player since Williams has hit 400. The left fielder led the big leagues with 37 homers, 135 runs, and a slugging average of 735. He was nicknamed the Splendid Splinter and the Thumper, began his big league career in the Red Sox in 1939. In 1942, Williams won the American League Triple Crown for the highest batting average, most RBIs, and most home runs. He won it again in 1947. In 1946 and 49, he was named the American League's most valuable player, and in June 1960, he became the fourth player in Major League history to hit 500 home runs. He was selected by the All-Star team 17 times. William, who spent his entire career with the Red Sox, played his final game on September the 28th, 1960 at Fenway's Park uh, in Boston. He homered in this final at-bat, giving him 521 homers for his career. He retired with a lifetime batting average of 344, 483 career on-base percentage, and 2,654 hits. His achievements were even all the more impressive because his career was interrupted twice for military service. He was in the Marine Corps as a pilot during World War II and the Korean War as a result of missing five major league seasons. He was also inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1966. He managed the Washington Senators. Now, I lived in Washington at the time, and uh, it was so interesting. Renamed the Texas Rangers in 72, uh, and uh, he managed from 69 to 72. In 1984, the Red Sox retired his number nine uniform. He died of cardiac arrest at age 83 on July the 5th, 2002, in Florida. A controversial move. His son sent his father's body to be frozen at a, a cryonics laboratory, of all things. <clears throat> kind of strange, but nevertheless, Ted Williams. Not very friendly to the fans, but uh, he was a great, great player. Apparently he was uh, maybe mythical, but he had uh, 2015 sight, eyesight. Uh, probably necessary because of his pilot years, too. Well, the big story, of course, today is Hurricane Ian. The Category 4 storm is expected to make landfall today. It comes after Ian slammed into Cuba 
yesterday, knocking out the island's electrical grid and leaving 11 million folks in the dark. At least two people in Cuba have died as a result of the storm. Officials say crews are working to restore power on the island with uh, widespread damage and flooding. In the meantime, Governor Ron DeSantis has ordered 2.5 million people in the coastal Florida to evacuate ahead of Ian's arrival. The storm could make landfall between Tampa and Fort Myers and could bring a life-threatening storm surge up to 24 inches of rain and powerful winds. It's going on right now. In fact, uh, the wind has a velocity right now of about 50 miles an hour. It's about, as I understand it, about 90 miles uh, west of uh, Fort Myers right now. So the storm is going up the coast. It's, uh, we're having hurricane conditions right now, though, uh, with about 50-mile-an-hour winds and lots and lots of rain. Uh, be surprised if we're able to complete this uh, show. Maybe electricity will go out. I hope not. But in any event, uh, I'm, uh, we're, we were, uh, had mandatory evacuation. You don't have mandatory evacuation. You, the, what happens is they close down any availability of first responders. So you take your own risks when you decide to stay. We decided to stay. So here we are. Well, billions of dollars are being spent on midterm elections in 2022, more than $9.3 billion, up from $7.1 billion spent four years ago. Money is being lavished on TV, radio, and digital ads for the U.S. House, Senate, gubernatorial, and local races. Political parties, candidates, pol political action committees, and outside spenders have already poured $4.8 billion into the races, and another $4.5 billion would be spent in the last six weeks leading up to Election Day. Senate candidate spending uh, is double that of 2018, while House spending is up 30%. Uh, Democrats have been, had more cash on hand, $1.3 billion combined compared to $1.1 billion for the Republican candidates. Of course, well, the big element of that is the Senate primaries were incredibly expensive. Senate races are the most expensive with Pennsylvania race between Oz, Dr. Oz and <laughs> Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's topped the list with $153 million spent so far, followed by Ohio with $121.5 million in spending to date. The huge spending on political ads reflects the urgency of both parties to gain power in Washington and across the country. Democrats control the House and the Senate by only a slim margin. The Senate is 50-50, uh, and uh, right now it looks like Senator Warnock, uh, Catherine Cortez from Nevada, and Ron Johnson of Wisconsin uh, looks like the uh, ones that are uh, toss-up states. Democrats have a nine-seat majority in the House. That will certainly go away uh, on November the 8th or January the 3rd. Republicans are favored by at least five seats and t take control of the House in November. Well, the Senate advanced a, on Tuesday a stopgap spending bill that allocates $12 billion in aid to Ukraine and $3 billion for Afghan re resettlement. Can you believe that? Spending that money? Where's that money coming from? We don't have that money. We're, of course, borrowing it. And uh, what's, how's that going to help the American people? The Senate voted to invoke cloture on the uh, legislative vehicle for the continuing resolution to stopgap spending bill that would continue the funding of the federal government until December the 16th. Congressional lawmakers agreed a deal that would provide another $12 billion to aid Ukraine, which would bring the total military economic resources provided over $66 billion to Ukraine. The news followed the Senate passing a $40 billion aid package in May, along with a $14 billion package in March, 
President Biden earlier this month asked Congress for an additional $11.7 billion in aid for Ukraine. Uh, so they seem to be jumping on board at his behest. As a reminder, also earlier this month, the Army told active American soldiers to go on food stamps if they're unable to afford paying for food. So food stamps for American soldiers and endless billions for Ukraine. This is our country right now. Unbelievable. Uh, Reuters reported that the funding agreement for Ukraine would address a variety of financial needs for Ukraine, including the hope that it would reduce future energy energy costs. <laughs> oh, the irony of that. Meanwhile, the White House, which has been uh, touting lower gas prices despite them being well over national average when Biden took office, has suddenly gone quiet. Well, of course, because the gas prices are going back up. Biden and Congress won't do anything to help American energy woes, but as long as Ukraine keeps showing a little leg... Well, the political strip club patrons on the left and right will continue to shell out billions of dollars. Now that the Senate invoked cloture on this uh, legislative vehicle for the CR, continuing resolution, the Senate will take up the bill for a future vote, full vote, later this week. After that, the House will vote on the bill, which will likely occur on uh, Friday. Well, House uh, Republican Whip Steve Scalise, however announced on Tuesday night that the GOP leadership would whip against a stopgap spending bill, saying that it fails to address any of the crises unfolding under President Joe Biden's watch. Uh, Scalise's team just informed all House Republican offices leadership recommends a no vote. House Republican leadership announced the whip notice against the stopgap spending bill or a continuing resolution, as the Senate just voted to advance the bill on Tuesday night. Scalise's team said the Democrats refused to negotiate with House Republicans on the CR, and that the stopgap bill doesn't not solve many crises the nation is facing. He uh, explained, while spending in the last several months ramming through legislation that increases taxes and spending billions, causing crippling inflation and a recession, Democrats in Washington have failed to address the most basic duty of funding the government. The majority has refused to negotiate with ranking member Granger or any other House Republican leader on pressing issues related to our government funding priorities, including runaway inflation, the supply chain crisis, the border crisis, or the opioid deaths associated with the drugs like fentanyl, Come across our southern border and have instead decided to kick the can down the road to December, setting up another government funding showdown uh, during the unaccountable lame duck period. That's a good point. I don't know why they had decided December 16th to be, uh, uh, of course, the Democrats, if they lose the House, will continue to try and push stuff through until they lose power in January. Scalise's team also said the CR contains funding that would enable more illegal immigration while the nation faces a historic number of migrant crossings at the border. Another $1.8 billion for refugee entrant money to fund more migrants illegally crossing the border. Can you believe that? We're paying money in order to finance uh, illegal crossings at the border, yet no additional money for border security or customs and border protection officers. Just one uh, month after passing the reckless heat your home tax, that was signed into a law and Inflation Reduction Act. Democrats now want to subsidize their numerous energy policy failures by giving away another billion dollars to the very people they raise taxes on. Funding uh, the government only through December 16th sets up yet another showdown in December. Congress needs to pass a government funding bill before Friday or the government, of course, will shut down. So a little uh, wrench in the works here, whether uh, Scalise 
uses this as a bargaining chip or whether they're serious about no, voting no on the continuing resolution. We'll see how that turns out. And by the way, Kamala Harris is traveling to Asia this week. She's in Asia. She uh, has had a meeting with Asian leaders and will visit with the DMZ in Korea later this week. On Tuesday, she met with the Aussie Prime Minister and immediately broke into a meaningless word salad. Here's what she said. See if you can understand this. It is significant that we are here today in Tokyo uh, in where we uh, also share a common goal and dedication to peace and security in the Indo-Pacific and the work that we would continue to do to ensure that we are guided by what we are joined in terms of international rule and norms. Well, that was important. I have no idea what that means. Do you? Strange. Well, I don't have time to cover this on this segment, but uh, there are three leaks on the Russia's Nord Stream 1 and 2 gas pipelines, and apparently there was an explosion. Sweden reported detecting explosions early Monday morning and Monday evening, with the morning one registering 1.9 on the Richter scale and the evening 2.3 on the scale. Uh, the pipelines are protected by a layer of steel reinforced by concrete. Well, apparently, uh, right now, people are pointing their finger at, uh, at Russia for uh, doing this. But, uh, you know, our own president back in February basically said, uh, said uh, President Biden, if Russia invades, then we are, there's no longer a Nord Stream uh, 2. We will bring it, an end to it. But how are you, will you do that exactly since the project is in Germany, Germany's control? Biden said, I promise you, we will be able to do that. So really perhaps uh, suggesting that maybe he was responsible the United States for blowing up uh, the uh, Nord Stream 2. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute and constitutional scholar. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. How are you holding up in the storm? Well... We're in Naples, of course, and trying to get out of here. Uh, I have to get to an event in South Carolina. So far, it's been a no-go, but I'm, I'm trying some other options. My goodness. Well, good luck with that. So uh, let's talk about what's the, the Supreme Court major cases since the New Deal, especially those that essentially rewrote the Constitution and paved the way for vast expansion of the federal government, way more than our founders had in mind. Let's start off with the taxing power. Chief Justice Roberts held that Obamacare's penalty for not buying health insurance was really a tax. <laughs> On that basis, the Supreme Court said Obamacare is constitutional. What's the constitutional basis for the taxing power? Yeah, Chief Justice Roberts held that the individual mandate to purchase health insurance under Obamacare was authorized by Congress's power uh, to lay and collect taxes to provide for the general welfare. That's what it says in the Constitution. So this was tested way back in 1937 in a case called Helvering v. Davis. And the issue there was the Social Security Act, whether it was constitutional. And that case established that taxes can be imposed for just about any purpose uh, that allegedly serves the general welfare, presumably including uh, the subsidization of insurance companies so they could afford to cover pre-existing conditions under Obamacare. So you, you have to think like a judge. That the Helvering case wasn't about whether Social Security is a good idea or actuarially sound. It was whether there's a provision in the Constitution uh, that authorizes the government to impose a retirement system. And the proponents pointed to this taxi power and they cited the earlier battle between Hamilton and Madison. Hamilton's view was that the power to tax to provide for the general welfare is an extra power over and above Congress's other enumerated powers. Madison disagreed. He said that can't be because everything uh, is, you know, you could characterize it as providing for the general welfare. 
So Hamilton, Hamilton's idea would eviscerate the notion of limited government. And Madison even went a, a step further. He said not only is this taxing power not an extra power, it's a restriction on Congress's other power. And what it really means is that in carrying out its other powers, Congress has to do so in a manner that promotes the general welfare and not the welfare of what Madison called factions and what we today we call the special interests. Right. Well, in a nutshell, the Supreme Court said Hamilton wins and Madison loses. And the federal government, using the uh, taxing power, could provide, uh, compel everybody to provide for their own retirement, uh, or for that matter, uh, to buy a health insurance policy under uh, Obamacare. Yeah, crazy. So did the Obama administration rely on the argument that Obamacare was authorized under the taxing power? Interestingly, they didn't. That's what they won on, but they didn't. They didn't argue that. Only one of the eight federal courts that had ruled on Obamacare embraced this uh, <clears throat> taxing power logic. Even the administration dismissed that logic and gave it little attention in its briefs. Um, and there were lots of reasons for that. The, the purpose of a tax is to generate revenue. The purpose of Obamacare's insurance mandate was to force people to obtain health care coverage. And if the mandate worked perfectly, it would raise no revenue, zero. Mm -hmm. right. And second, Congress had written tax in an earlier version of the uh, Obamacare statute, and it changed the word to penalty in the final version. And they used tax elsewhere in the bill to describe other sources of revenue. So, you know, Congress knew how to specify tax when that's what they meant. And the text of this statute cited the Commerce Clause and not the taxing power as its constitutional authority. So apparently <clears throat> Congress didn't want the scrutiny that attaches to these multi-billion dollar tax increases, uh, especially after Obama himself had repeatedly called this assessment a penalty and reminded voters of his promise uh, not to impose any new taxes on the middle class. But with a wave of the wand by uh, Chief Justice Roberts, this unconstitutional penalty somehow morphed into a constitutional tax. It makes you wonder if words mean anything. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So did Chief Justice Roberts conclude that the taxing power is effectively unlimited? No, he didn't. He, he concluded that there's no mandate to buy health insurance just a tax that offers you an option. Either you can buy the health insurance or pay the tax. So according to his logic, nobody's forced to buy health insurance. And then he went a step further. He said, suppose the tax crosses some threshold and it's set at such a high rate that it leaves you no option. At that point, nobody would pay the tax and its purpose would then be to force people to buy health insurance. And it would be purely punitive and no longer qualify as a tax. So the taxing power had this built-in limit. It's just that Obamacare's tax was too small to cross the limit. Uh, if Roberts had upheld the mandate under the Commerce Clause, like the government wanted, then the power would have been unlimited. Now, these limits on government, if they're stretched, I'd rather have them stretched under the taxing power than under the Commerce Clause, because the taxes are politically toxic, and that limits their use. And the taxing power imposes monetary burdens when you do something wrong, such as not buying insurance. The commerce power 
can impose prison when you do something wrong, like, for example, smoking marijuana. Hmm. So didn't the Obama administration originally claim that Obamacare should be upheld as a regulation of interstate commerce? Indeed it did, and the federal mandate to buy a private product was unprecedented and untested in the courts. And when it was proposed by Hillary in the context of Hillary Care back in 1994, <clears throat> the CBO wrote, and this is a quote, the government has never required people to buy any good or service as a condition of lawful residence in the U.S. And yet that's precisely what Obamacare was doing. But, said the opponents, where in the Constitution does it say Congress can do that? According to the administration, the answer was the Commerce Clause, the power to regulate interstate commerce. Isn't that interesting? So what, what has the court said about regulating under the Commerce Clause, and how did Obamacare fit into that picture? Well, first we have to define a couple of terms. What's commerce? It's the exchange of products, buying and selling. But there's also an economic act that may affect commerce. That's much broader than just buying and selling. It might include, for example, farming or mining or manufacturing, which is not buying and selling, but that does affect commerce, or distributing goods or consuming goods. Mm -hmm. So if you think it's self-evident that the commerce power extends only to activities that involve commerce, that is buying and selling, then you haven't been following the Supreme Court over the past seven decades. And there was this infamous case that we've talked about before, Wicker v. Filburn, which laid the, the groundwork to expand the Commerce Clause beyond regulating commerce to regulating all of these economic effects, uh, acts that affect commerce. So you know, as, as we've discussed, Filburn <clears throat> grew wheat for his own family and for his farm animals. He didn't buy it and sell it. So during the Depression, to boost the prices of uh, agricultural products, FDR decided to cut wheat production, and the federal government ordered Filburn to grow fewer bushels. And when Filburn asked what the constitutional authority was, uh, the government cited the authority to regulate interstate commerce. And, of course, Filburn said, hey, the, my farm is entirely within one state, and there's no buying and no selling. And the Supreme Court essentially said, no matter uh, by growing wheat, Filburn, you avoid buying. And if you hadn't eaten what you grew, you'd been able to sell what was left over. So by growing and eating instead of buying and selling, you had an, an effect on the supply and demand for, for wheat. And in the aggregate, along with the crops of other farmers who did the same, that undoubtedly impacted interstate commerce. And that opened the floodgates, and that's why we have the regulatory state regulating anything and everything under the Commerce Clause. Unbelievable. Can't believe that men and women in black robes could actually make decisions like that. It's pretty incredible. Bob Levy, again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. I'd encourage you to visit Cato.org. C-A-T-O.org is the website. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Terrific programs and policies to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Andrew Jopper, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. So have you bat have you battened down the hatches? Are you safe today? I'm sorry. Have you battened down the hatches? Are you safe today we, with the hurricane? My wife and I've been batting down the hatches for almost a week and a half. I mean, she's a great anticipatory hurricane watcher. <laughs> I mean, if there's a storm coming off the coast of Africa, she is getting the lights and batteries out already. Uh, outstanding. Well, hope you uh, stay safe. Any comments at all about the storm? Well, you know, I typically start out with good news on your show. I, I'm going to forego that because it's inappropriate. There's uh, so many of our neighbors that are in imminent danger. This is uh, a storm larger than Charlie by all estimation. The last uh, ground reading uh, of the, uh, the power of the storm, 155 miles an hour approaching a Cat 5. The upper winds measured at uh, over 200 miles an hour. Uh, it is the equivalency of a Cat 1 or 2 tornado. Uh, so this is a, a, a storm that uh, is perhaps unparalleled. I, I hope these uh, lines right now where they're anticipating landfall and uh, in Port Charlotte perhaps um, are wrong. Uh, we in Naples, uh, we're going to have uh, some heavy wind. I'm looking out my window right now getting gusts that look like 50 or 60 perhaps miles an hour, hard to uh, gauge. But this is, this is a serious event. It's actually, Bob, if I might, it's all that's on my mind right now. Really? So, so it's interesting. It's about 90 miles uh, west of Fort Myers right now. So uh, it looks like it's, it's not good. We're going to have a tropical uh, storm uh, 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 situation here in, in uh, the Paradise Coast. But, uh, I, I, you know, it's going to have to gain a lot of speed in order to get up to 140 or 50 miles an hour. 
Well, I mean, it's or, it's sitting right now at 155 measured. Uh, most of the uh, the the eye measurements are like uh, anywhere from 120 to 145. So, uh, under any measurement, this is this is a serious event. Uh, I, I just hope that it it bounces off to the left, goes west a little bit. Um, you know, I don't want anybody else to get hit, but somebody is going to get hit by this monster. So uh, that's uh, this. I've had more phone calls from around the country over the last couple of days about uh, friends and uh, people asking me how we're doing. So uh, this is a, a, an event with national significance, Bob. Well, thank you for those comments, Andy. Let's let's uh, talk. Any thoughts about this Nord Stream two? Well, yeah, hope- it's uh, it's hard to, to gauge right now how much coverage this is getting uh, because the uh, the e and uh, so many other things are perhaps consuming uh, media uh, uh, media space but uh, let's presume that uh, it is getting coverage I haven't seen it not in any great great amount uh, but for those that are not familiar with it there were two major explosions on the uh, Nord Stream one and two pipelines in the Baltic Sea um, the measurement of the Richter scale impact of these explosions uh, were that they were a two or a three on the Richter scale in terms of their of, of their power, and they had to be strong. Uh, the Danes have measured that this was not a uh, a, a uh, underground event; this was a, a, a water event. Uh, these uh, pipelines are about 1.6 inches of some of the most uh, the most. Uh, Andy, are you there? I think we may have lost Andy. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, this probably is an appropriate time to take a commercial break, and we'll see if we can reconnect with Andy. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. 
back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're right here in real time in hurricane season. And uh, hey, Andy, I guess you lost power. Uh, good to be back with you, Bob. Yeah, as uh, we were talking about Nord Stream, and uh, it, my power went out. It blinked a few times, then went out completely. And uh, FPL is apparently on the job, and uh, the power came back up. So uh, I know they station a lot of their uh, their operatives at, at key sites, so so maybe we can uh, perhaps avoid long-term power outages. And in my case, it was, it was about 30 seconds only. So I'm optimistic that they've got this under control, although the... the, the the full impact certainly has not has not hit yet. <clears throat> Before we were cut off, I was talking about Nord Stream and the uh, the tremendous explosions that took out Nord Stream One and Nord Stream Two. Uh, talking about the uh, the strength of these pipelines, they're like 1.6 inches of, of of solid steel surrounded by a, a, about two inches of uh, some of the most sophisticated concrete in the world. Uh, I mentioned that the Danes had measured the uh, the impact of these explosions as 1.2 on the Richter scale. Now, the issue becomes one of, of who would have done that, who could have done it. And, of course, the, the first response from much of the European community is, is Russia blew up, blew up their own pipelines. Now, certainly it's a possibility. It may be a uh, in some way a warning shot from Russia about the implications of what it means to lose Russian natural gas. Uh, on the other hand, and this is not something I'm uh, supporting in terms of my position, but it's been reported that American ships were in the Baltic uh, prior to the explosion. Uh, so it's it's hard to say. I just think it's a uh, it's a it's a one of these events, Bob, with enormous implications, unknown implications, uh, and we'll have to see how it unfolds. But uh, it's it's a very significant event in my estimation. Yeah, you know, and uh, back in February, the the president of the United States had said, "Well, look, if, if uh, Russia invades Ukraine, uh, there will be no more Nord Stream two uh, pipeline." And uh, the, the the reporter said, "Well, how's that going to happen?" He says, "Believe me, just trust me. It's not going. There's not going to be a Nord Stream." So it indicates to me that perhaps uh, there was an intent. By the United States, if not an execution of the explosions that happened at the uh, at the pipeline. Well, if this was a court of law and this was a, a murder trial, what you just cited would have been uh, a, a, a an admission of potential to commit a crime. Uh, whether or not we did or not uh, certainly is is unknown. Do I think we could? Absolutely. Uh, if we if we felt in the federal bureaucracy that. Uh, blowing up Nord Stream One and Two would be uh, uh, damaging to uh, to the Soviet Union. Uh, Soviet Union. I'm going back in time here. <laughs> yeah. My television just came back on, so got some noise here. Uh, I think it's possible we could we could do this. Uh, there's a somewhat of a uh, a bright note in this story. Uh, Israel has uh, found significant uh, natural gas fields off their coast in their territorial waters. Wow. Uh, and they are beginning to supply. Not not the complete uh, need of, of Europe, but at least partially replace the, the loss of the Russian natural gas. It'll be interesting to see if Europe uh, easily accepts this uh, this natural gas from Israel, considering almost uh, universally across the European continent, they have condemned Israel 
consistently since its founding in 1948. So it, it'll be an interesting uh, process to watch unfold. Uh, but again, I think this Nord Stream explosion uh, has the potential of being a major story, uh, depending upon if they can determine who who did it and then why, of course. Well, I mean, and if it were the if it were the Americans that had actually pulled this off. I mean that is such an, uh, an aggressive act. It uh, seems to me that uh, that it would be so explosive. It's, it raised tensions with the Soviet Union. And again, just to remind our listeners, I mean we, they've got Soviet, they've got uh, nuclear warheads. Well, I'm glad you said Soviet Union too. Did I say that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did really. Oh my goodness! Uh, but yeah, I mean it's. But again, at this point, unfortunately, in this nation's history, there. There are very few things that can be written off because they're just not likely or possible or why why would this nation do it? I mean, there are a countless number of, of events that where that could be uh, discussed within that framework. Absolutely. So, oh, sure. Do I believe Russia did it? I, I, I don't know what I believe at this point. I just know that this this kind of event with an $11 billion investment in the uh, in Nordic Stream 1 and 2, uh, that just to destroy it, essentially destroy it, you know, there are all predictions that it will never come back online with the damage that's been done. And, of course, the pipeline the pipeline was uh, full of gas as, as well. So, I mean, we're talking about these emissions now that are coming out through the ocean just... It's really pretty unbelievable. Well, they've measured the the ocean impact in terms of the uh, the the measured visual implication of the escaping gas from the pipelines at being over a, a kilometer uh, wide in terms of its size. So uh, this is uh, obviously a major um, damage major damage that's been done to these pipelines. My power just went down, went down again, so I'm getting all kinds of coming back on noises right now so that's okay. that's what's going on here but again just just without getting redundant the uh, the pipeline the leakage uh, leakage explosion is a serious issue in all of its implications Bob. so uh, andy i'd like to change topics uh the how the fbi raiding you know this man with seven children his wife taking him away in handcuffs I mean, this just seems such more evidence of the police state. What is, it's just unbelievable what's, how we're declining into becoming a police state here in the United States. Uh, every, every time there's some new FBI outrage, the, uh, the positive implication, if it can be, uh, be a positive implication, is that they've gone so far uh, that, in fact, it will demand that action be taken. So this is one of those situations, and again, I'll predict that nothing will happen again uh, with this raid. As you pointed out, this is a, uh, Mark Houck is a Catholic activist, seven children. Uh, he would be counseling Catholic men uh, on the streets of Philadelphia. Obviously, he has a very strong commitment to his, his ideology. Uh, he is accused of two counts of, of pushing and shoving uh, a person that is only labeled as BL in this equation. <clears throat> this was a circumstance that was adjudicated. The charges were dropped originally. Of course, a federal um, attorney uh, picked up on those and brought federal charges. If he is found guilty of the charge of obstructing the, the escort on a, a, a Planned Parenthood Center, uh, this is a federal crime. Uh, that would warrant 11 years in prison and up to a $350,000 fine. So this is a, an amazing event. The question perhaps is, uh, who is BL? Uh, there's been a fairly uh, sure identification of who BL is. 
Uh, he has previously launched a suit a, against a, uh, a company uh, for the side effects of their anti-psychotic drugs. Uh, he has been arrested, charged, and convicted with the sale and manufacture of illicit drugs. So this is a man who, in the circumstance of Hulk's uh, contact with him, was standing about uh, perhaps a foot away from uh, from his son's face, Hulk's son's face, screaming obscenities at him. Uh, Hulk gave him clear uh, indication, please, please back away from my son. He would not do that. Hulk, yes, did push him away from his son, defending his son's uh, physical well-being. Uh, and for that, this man possibly. Now, again, this is one of these situations where I would say it, uh, that nothing can happen to Hulk. Yet I'm still looking at January 6th people uh, who are still uh, in, uh, in prison uh, without any charges being being offered with no real projection of any time frame right. in which they can be either tried or released from, from prison with almost insignificant charges, perhaps being filmed in the Capitol Rotunda Bob. Just so sad indeed. I mean, talk about a dual system of justice. It's so unfair. And uh, apparently uh, now there's evidence that the, the Oath Keepers were infiltrated by the FBI agents or by FD, FBI informants. So more and more we're seeing evidence of the fact that uh, this was, if not perpetrated, then at least supported and encouraged by F, FBI and its informants. Well, and, and we've got the Ray Epps circumstance, which t goes totally undefined. We've got the obvious um, luring into the kidnapping of, uh, of Governor Whitmer in, in, in Michigan. Uh, and, and you wonder in a nation that has such greatness in its past, that why isn't there more pushback against this? You know, we've all lamented, you know, why didn't Germany push back against Hitler and Italy against Mussolini and, and uh, the Japanese against the Imperial Army and, and, and Cambodia? Why wasn't there pushback? And I'm looking at, Bob, what I regard as very comparable situations. And I, I ask, where is the pushback of the American people at this point? I don't see it, Bob. I just don't see it. I will say, though, that you just reminded me that what's happening in Iran right now, apparently the people have had it. These are into the 12th or 13th day now of protests for the, uh, for the woman who was beat to death by the, uh, by the guard. And uh, the women are protesting, uh, by and large. And uh, right now, the uh, the uh, religious leader is uh, is on uh, apparently is very sick or on his deathbed. So things are pretty unstable there. And perhaps the people have had it. I, I would say, and I very seldom offer anything in support of the Biden administration, but I think that. Uh, uh, at least in verbiage, uh, his administration is saying the right things about this unrest in uh, in Iran. So I, I don't know whether that can be fulfilled in reality. But um, uh, again, he is at least saying the right things about the implication of this uh, this pressure being put against the theocracy of Iran. Yeah. And you like to take another break and you stick around. I'll be here. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. 
Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I really appreciate uh, your tuning in right now. hope you're safe. The hurricane, of course, is coming just 90 miles west of Fort Myers. And it's slow moving, but it is powerful, as our guest, Andrew Joppa, pointed out uh, before. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good to be with you again, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, we've got the midterm elections coming up. We've got all this uh, information right now, things that are going on with regard to FBI, uh, inflation, recession, you name it. What are your thoughts? Well, I would just like to uh, extend from our previous discussion on the uh, the FBI and perhaps the Department of Justice and ask any reasonable person, would those departments, with the FBI and the Department of Justice and all the other associated federal agencies who are involved with some of the most outrageous activities that we've ever seen, would they hesitate to become deeply involved with creating a, a voter election fraud in the midterms? I think the answer to any reasonable person must be, obviously, they, they would become involved and are going to become involved. Uh, I am concerned that there seems to be so little significant awareness of what I just said. Uh, certainly no significant action uh, in, in any real sense. There's been, been some to tighten up the, uh, the, the legality of, of statewide elections, but certainly not nearly enough to ensure uh, legal elections in 2022. So again, when we're looking at the Mark Halgrade and the associated other uh, uh, raise it going by the FBI SWAT teams. I think we're looking at a, uh, agencies in the federal government that are willing to do anything to, uh, to make their position ideologically successful. Uh, certainly that must be considered as extending into the elections of 2022. Bob. Yeah, it's scary stuff indeed. I mean, uh, right now, these uh, agencies have not only become politicized, but also weaponized and, and used for the, the purpose of supporting the Democrat Party. To me, it's just it's outrageous. It's somehow, some way, we've got to win this midterm election. Do you think there's sufficient uh, resources for the Democrat Party to actually steal the election? 
Well, I don't think they they will go after the totality of the elections. I think they'll go after uh, anything that they regard as as vulnerable. I think it's going to be difficult for them uh, with fraud uh, to uh, to hold on to the House. Not impossible. Uh, I think we'll see probably the majority of their their activities in in terms of the Senate races, where uh, if they can just hold a uh, a majority or a slim majority being equal with the Republicans, uh, I think we're certainly certainly going to see that, you know, any party that is willing to run Fetterman in in Pennsylvania is willing to do anything else. We're looking at such outrageous uh, positioning of uh, their candidates uh, and the uh, the actions of the government to this point uh, that uh, and again, I don't want to become uh, unduly pessimistic about this, but certainly I think we're going to see the actions I previously described. Of. Yeah, thank goodness that our elections right now are decentralized. In other words, they're run by the states and, and certainly not by the federal government. We would really be in trouble if they had their way with regard to federalizing the, the elections. Well, that was one of the primary things they tried to get done to federalize the elections. And thank goodness it was uh, anti-constitutional and uh, there was no real uh, strength to push uh, push through the Constitution and get that done. Uh, so, yes, I, I think that is a, a very strong positive. If that had happened, I think it's it's ballgame, Bob. Uh, so uh, that hasn't happened. So I think we can uh, secure elections where possible. I don't see as much, as I said before, uh, activity to protect these elections. Uh, I think the the amount of information that should have been derived from uh, Denise D'Souza's Mule's um, uh, uh, documentary should be taken to heart. I mean, here's a man who actively has documented the uh, the ballot stuffing, the ballot box stuffing in, in Georgia. And this is not a unique event for Georgia. This was happening across the United States. Uh, and the, the voting by mail and the ballot bu- uh, stuffing, ballot box stuffing is going to take place again in the midterm elections, Bob. There's so much information out there. Yeah, you mentioned 2,000 Mules, but also My Son Hunter, the, the uh, documentary, so powerful. And uh, yet uh, it's being suppressed by the mainstream media. They're certainly not talking about and, and promoting the fact that, that, that this information exists. Well, I, I don't want to make direct comparisons, but I mean, what is the chances in 1942 that all the revolutions about Nazi Germany in Germany would have made the slightest bit of difference? You know, when you have a total totalitarian control of all of the institutions of a society, uh, then the awareness of the people becomes less significant. I'm sure the Germans early on in this process were fully aware of what of what Hitler and the Nazis represented. Uh, but again, as the process unfolds and there's complete control being exercised, uh, then that ability to actually impact uh, becomes reduced. And I think we're I, I think, Bob, unfortunately, we're almost in that situation right now. Uh, sad commentary indeed. Before I let you go, Andy, uh, any thoughts about the Russian President Vladimir Putin granting full Russian citizenship to Edward Snowden? Ah. Uh, Nothing dramatic. I mean, Snowden has become a marginal hero in my mind. I know he's not for most Americans, but I think anything that would penetrate the uh, the wall of silence as it pertains to the uh, to the monitoring of of, uh, of Americans uh, has to be at least seen as as a good thing. It's it's hard for me to support Snowden being in a uh, a top secret classification and uh, and violating that classification and his oath of office. I understand everything that I'm saying here. Uh, yet, on the other hand, uh, if it doesn't happen that way, if it doesn't happen with the Snowdens, uh, the Assanges, the uh, the whistleblowers in the FBI, I don't know how it will happen, Bob. Right. So, 
Uh, I think it's got to happen in this uh, in this manner. And I think Snowden was uh, perhaps one of the early people penetrating the the wall of silence in the federal uh, uh, intelligence agencies, Bob. Right. I think, in, in my opinion, he made a great contribution to American society by revealing the secretness and the dirty tricks of uh, the uh, deep state. On the other hand, he did violate law, and he should he should be brought to justice. It won't happen now because right now, Vladimir Putin has, has brought him into Russian citizenship. It makes me wonder if perhaps he could be drafted, sent to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody else is at this point, so why why not Snowden? Huh? <laughs> uh, you know, if we talk about Ukraine, I, I, again, it's this ongoing um, human slaughter, the infrastructure slaughter in, in Ukraine. Uh, it doesn't seem to have a measurable end. Uh, end game for, for either side at this point. As I mentioned last week, I do not think, as long as Putin stays in power, I do not think he's going to allow Russia to lose this. Uh, whether he can win it or not is another story, but I do not think he'll allow Russia to lose uh, the battle with Ukraine. Andrew Jopp, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, always appreciate your so well-informed and interesting commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, stay safe. You stay safe as well, Andy. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We have great guests for tomorrow's show, including uh, Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, uh, focusing on education, public education here in Florida and school choice. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, always outspoken on what's happening here locally. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Uh, let them know because that supports our advertisers who support the show. Couldn't do it without them. I hope you make it. Please say, stay safe. Uh, we've got some real dangerous conditions here, including a storm surge and all kinds of things. So do say, stay safe here on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.